0: Hello, everyone, and welcome in the React Native show podcast episode about Expo. I I feel like this episode was long overdue. Expo is a huge part of React Native, and... I don't feel really comfortable talking about it myself, so I brought two terrific guests with me today, Cedric and John. Uh, Hello, guys. Hey, how's it going? Hey. Who are actually working uh, at Expo, uh, with Expo every day. And they will help me out to explain how Expo got started, how Expo is evolving, and how it can help you out with your developer experience, like day-to-day workflow. So maybe let's start with introductions. Uh, First guest is John Samp. Uh, John, how are you? Uh, Who are you and what is your current role at Expo? I'm doing
1: well, just having my morning coffee. Um, So right now I'm the head of product at Expo. Uh, I also do a lot of our design work. So if you've seen our homepage or our web UIs or our docs, um, I worked on those. But also just trying to help make sure we build products that developers actually need. So hopefully we can talk a little bit more about that
0: on the show today. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I want to go over everything with you. And uh, the, my next guest is Cedric. Uh, Cedric, again, how are you today? Who are you and what do you do at Expo?
2: Hi, so uh, my name is Cedric von Peter. I am um, pretty much a software consultant or a software engineer at Expo. Uh, I work on like all kinds of different pieces of Expo. From the SDK to some small things on the website, all the way to CLI. Um, I mostly focus around Dev tooling, so that includes the, the CLI, includes the VS Code extension, GitHub Actions, like all kinds of tools that users uh, interact with to work with Expo. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much my day-to-day job.
0: Thank you. And both of you just recently, a few months ago, had talks at UpJS conference in Krakow when you were talking about Expo stuff. Uh, So great to have you here. And like I said in the beginning, I want to discuss Expo in terms of developer experience company. And I feel like if we were doing this episode two years ago, three years ago, it would have been a completely different thing, completely different episode. Because back then, uh, when I was doing React Native, I perceived Expo as a a different way of writing React uh, Native as um, a platform that you do it on. Right now, when you um, look at the docs, look at the different things that Expo does, it more seems like a lot of different utilities, a lot of different functions that are loosely coupled together. You can use some of that. You can use all of them. And, like, it's the whole, like, experience, the whole spectrum of using Expo. So Expo is not, like, just one product anymore. It's more like a a spectrum of different things. So I want to talk about that. And let's start with the perspective from a few years ago. How did it all start? What was it at the beginning? (laughs) Yeah, so how
1: Expo started, it's actually a couple of different stories here. Um, First of all, our CEO, his name is Charlie Cheever. He is the founder of Quora, which is a website that you can go to that you might know about. And he was in charge of making the mobile apps there. And this is before React Native, before Expo. And while he was making these mobile apps, he was working with a team of talented developers. And it took them months and months to get something into the app store. To show what was a website that you can ask questions on and then get answers for and he found this was just really frustrating and really hard there was so much red tape with app review back then it took even longer i think it might have taken almost a week to get app review and just getting this whole process going was super frustrating so react native was just in its nascent phase back then this was sometime around 2015 or just a little before and so he started looking at that as a solution. So after Quora, he started looking at, like, who are the biggest React Native contributors? And that's where he met our co-founder, James, um, another important person at Expo who you might have seen on Twitter uh, named Brent. They all got together and started working on Expo. Um, they eventually released it at React Rally in 2015. And that's kind of how everything got started. Like, how can and we make this better? it
0: before... was Uh, The first release of React Native, it was like even before the React Native was a thing, right? Yeah, it was during that exact same year uh, that they were
1: both released. So, um, yeah, React Native, it wasn't like Expo was built uh, way after as an augmentation to React Native. They were actually started around the same time.
0: Yeah. So we are seven, eight years later. And how does this team look like now? how many teams you have, how many people, how do you guys, do you work on Expo?
1: Yeah, so actually that's a pretty interesting question. So we've got about 30 people working on two large overlapping areas. One of them is our open source area. This is where like Expo Expo comes in. If you've been to our GitHub, this is all of our open source tools. This is our SDK. This is everything you use to develop your apps. Then we have a different side of things that we work on, which is our services areas. If you've built your app with EAS, Expo Application Services, that's what that's a part of. We have a few different services there right now. There's EAS Build. We can submit your app for you. We can also update your app for you as well, which has a few interesting applications, not just updating your production users, but updating your own developers for previewing PRs is pretty neat. So those are the two big areas, but honestly... We have like 30 areas internally just because there's so much surface area to what we do. I mean, we've got docs, we've got our CLI, we've got our website, we've got our Expo Go app and on and on and on and on. So there's actually a lot of stuff we work on, um, tons of surface area. And luckily we've got 30 people who can do a lot of things.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And this is like tied into to what I said in the beginning that this is a spectrum, right? And like what I'm really interested in about is that how are all of those different pieces are worked on together and how do you guys like maintain that every small piece works uh, if it should work with like pure React Native just silly React Native it works with just straight React Native and it works with Expo and it works with like other pieces so this is like really really interesting that you have only 30 people doing all of those things and you probably have like Probably thirty services. You have like thirty different pieces, and thirty people working on those thirty different pieces. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. So, it's how would you just summarize how would you do bottom line the Expo today question? What what it is? It's
2: uh, I would say it's a very hard question to answer since there are like, as John said, there are so many moving pieces all tying in together. Um, but basically. I think one of the biggest misconceptions about expo today is that expo is built on top of react native and once you go expo you cannot do anything else like all those smaller pieces of expo and what it is together as expo today uh, can be used like uh, it can be optionally opt-in or can like be not used at all like you can actually use the expo cli without any of the expo native modules um, you can use uh, Expo without any of our services. It's pretty much uh, uh, whatever works best for you kind of scenario. And we try to communicate like what every individual piece does. Like we have uh, config plugins and pre-built in the CLI that can help during upgrading or like uh, having the native part being managed by us, by the by the Expo system, um, where uh, like again, you can use it or not, but um all that all those smaller things tie so hard together, um, which eventually like um it's it's kinda hard to explain, but uh let's see. How can I explain this better? Um basically everything with Expo is progressively opt-inable or opt-outable, where so many moving pieces work together that Yes, there could be issues, but that's what we're trying to cover with QA. That we're trying to cover with our uh, quarterly releases, or every every release per every three release per year, um, all the way up on into like a working product. I'm not sure if I answered that question correctly, but
0: I get that because I was preparing for this episode, so mm-hmm. I read a bunch of things and I watched your talks and, um. In our previous conversation, when we were um, preparing for this episode together, you said something that I said in the beginning of this episode: that Expo is a developer experience company, and you want to like make the path from development to production as smooth as possible, as yes. easy as possible, to focus on the uh, on building products and not on the like red tape around it. So, yeah, I, I feel like this is a very noble goal. Uh, but obviously, you are a business as well. So, um, I think it's not um, not a secret that, like, you can draw a lot of comparison between Vericell, uh, that has their services, their paid services, and, like, their maintained Next.js, and Expo that has the Expo, the developer utilities and also you have the services right that and it all ties together and you can use one or or the other and that's how you make money doing the services Um, so I would like to also touch on something that I uh, haven't in the beginning of this episode but I would really uh, need you guys both to help me out here because like I'm not a regular user. Sorry to say that. uh, I know (laughs) that I should be, but my main focus during my day-to-day work is on uh, like legacy project uh, with like just bare bones, CLI, React Native, and also like Brownfield kind of integrations. So I don't do Expo a lot. Uh, I use it in my like hobby project, which I don't have really time to do anymore. (laughs) But so... With the latest and greatest, I feel like I really need to ask you uh, for mm, for the walkthrough. Let's let's do the walkthrough. Let's do the walkthrough from uh, initialization of the project, then just development, testing, maybe QAing, uh, testing again uh, to production and to like uh, over the re- over the air releases yes so who would like to take this question
2: uh i can i can start see where i end up um but basically like any project can use uh eas let's start there um it doesn't really matter if you're using expo or or just like plain react native with the
0: react native and EAS is expo application services which yes. allows you to like deploy and other things Exactly. So you can use EAS build. You can EAS.
2: You can use EAS submit. You can even use EAS update, but it requires a bit more integration than in the app itself uh, without Expo at all. Like you can just build whatever you want, and we will make sure it it arrives to the store. Um, then on the project side, um, as I tried to explain earlier, where uh, Expo consists of multiple parts all working together, uh, you can use like the Expo native modules with the React Native Community CLI. Like You can do that. Um, there is no reason why it shouldn't since it's, again, just React Native. Uh, but if you want to go further and fully adopt the Expo workflow uh, in things in terms such as pre-built, where you can update your project pretty much with uh, one command, uh, then the Expo CLI uh, comes into play, and then you have to use that instead. So walking back from EAS all the way to the project, you can just get started like with a new project using create uh, Expo app. Or if you have an existing React Native project, you can use uh, install Expo modules. It's a tool that helps you install uh, whatever is needed on a Native site to adopt the Expo workflow. Then if you are coming from an old project, uh, you can decide if it's worth to opt into pre-built um, You don't have to, again, like you can use whatever native files you have in your project and we will build that. But if you do want to adopt pre-build, I think Keith, uh, Keith Gurek, uh, had a great talk about that on uh, Chain React. So if you're interested in that, I would highly recommend you watch that video as well. Um, But you can decide if you want to opt into that. Then you can decide if you want to use EAS uh, to build it. I mean, you can always build things yourself, even when you're using the full Expo workflow. Uh, We just tried to make it so convenient for you that it's almost like uh, not a good idea to do it yourself because it's so easy uh, compared to the other version. Um, And then from there, you're pretty much on like anything related to Expo
0: already. Uh, I want to go back to something you said, the pre-build. Can you explain why would I use pre-build? What uh, yes that's for me? Yes. So pre-build
2: is actually like a term that goes hand in hand with another one which is config plugins. So we basically created something um, that, ha- that changed the management of the native files. So for example if you have your project with an and ios folder um, you can make any change you want there and it will be built into your app now what would happen if you add a dependency that requires native changes like usually what happened before like pre-built uh, it was documented that you had to make those changes uh, you will do them and you will save them um, unfortunately if react native updates and it requires extensive native code changes you and you have accumulated all those dependencies, you have to go manually through your native code, update them like one by one, see if mm-hmm. things still work. And basically what pre does is automate that. So let's say you're using Stripe, which is, a, which is a, a native library with config plugin shipped with the library itself. The only thing you have to do is delete your Android and iOS folders, upgrade uh, React Native if you want to, and then just run pre-built. Because with config plugins, uh, it basically regenerates the whole native layer from whatever the base was, or whatever React Native version you you want to use. Meaning that upgrading is pretty much uh, instantly without too much addition. If you do want to add some other native code changes yourself, but still want to maintain pre-built, you can write your own config plugins, um, we have our dog on our docs page like an extensive list of all the things you can do with it. Um but that's in short what pre built is. It's 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 a bit hard to grasp. And I think we we're trying to start to coin the term um continuous native regeneration, CNG. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that that basically encapsulates all those smaller pieces like pre-built config plugins and more. Um, But maybe that concept might be a bit easier for users to recognize and to understand.
0: Yeah, I actually work right now in a project that uses this, not not the Expo um, config plugins and regeneration, but the same concept that we have CMake files that are actually generating our native project based on some flags and some config files to create different versions, different flavors of the same project for for all of the platforms. So yeah, I I know how this can be really a powerful tool to A, uh, flavorize the application, but also to maintain the... Mm, how do you say that, to maintain the stability, like you say, uh, the underlying files are changing, but you apply your config changes on top of that files. Okay, so I guess, Cedric, thank you so much, I guess we covered the development phase, We will be back. We will be back in that phase again. We will touch on some like particular maybe libraries or maybe some particular tools that we can use. But just to go with this uh, from development to production uh, scenario right now, maybe then we can move on to uh, uh, application services. So you use all of those commands, you do the pre generate, you do all of that. And then I have my product and I want to test it. I want to ship it. So what do I use from Expo Word then? Yeah. So uh, let me jump in
1: here about this with EAS. Um, so EAS, that's Expo Application Services, and it's services that we build directly for Expo apps. So they're going to work well out of the box. With that, though, um, we try very hard to make sure when you make an Expo app, you don't have to use EIS. EIS is totally separate from all of Expo. And so you could use any service on top of these. So like Cedric was saying, trying to be as flexible as possible and allow people to do what they need for their own particular app. That is one of the lessons we've learned a lot over the years, over the last eight years. So talking about development and with your team, this is like where everything starts. How do services even fold in there? One thing that we love doing is something called making a development build. Um, We have this library. It's called Expo Dev Client. And if you include it in your app, it adds developer tools into your own app. This is kind of like how Chrome has developer tools built inside of Chrome. And you do the special hotkey and they open up and then you get to see all Mm -hmm. kinds of information. This is kind of the same, except for it's your app. And then we we have tools that open up inside your app. One of the cool things about making a development build is you can use all of your own native dependencies and everything that's custom about your app while you develop in addition it allows some cool other things that sort of like are important now and we'll talk a little bit later but you can do something called pr previewing one of the things that like when i was working on a production app before i worked at expo that i hated doing was reviewing 10 prs in a row having to clone all that code having to build everything locally in xcode and android studio just to see what these people's code and my colleagues code was doing What this allows you to do is create an update and the development client or the development build can scan a QR code or go to a special link and open those up. So pretty much imagine looking at a PR. Then you're reading through the code. You're like, okay, okay, I think I know what this does. You scan a QR code and it opens up in just a couple of seconds on your phone.
0: That's the kind of speed up that we want to help people do. It's like with the Expo um, server, When I in my console I get the QR code and I just scan it with with Expo app. Yeah, except
1: for someone else's PRS code. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Except
0: it's not on my network; (laughs) it's somewhere
1: else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and since we're able to save stuff in the cloud, we can
0: relate all of this information for you. So that's a bit about development. Maybe not to read. Like yeah, from Webward, like this is also such a powerful concept that guess you got inspired but some by some like web practices right with with the pr you can have a link with the, just a version of the application on that commit on that pr that's great
1: yeah exactly and while <laughs> if people believe in santa claus sometimes people will say seeing is believing but really not seeing the stuff um, is disbelieving so it's great to see mm-hmm. the previews of what you're building together yeah yeah um, so moving on to what is the next phase of developing with your team, it's going to be reviewing your apps in a way that's more accurate to what you're actually going to ship to the app stores and to your users. So with this, you can make simulator builds and emulator builds. You can also make app store builds that go to test flight and Google's internal test track. One of the cool things that you can do with simulator emulator builds is I can build them locally, just like you would with React Native CLI. And I can test them. So I think those are even between Expo and just using React Native without Expo. However, with Expo, if I've made my build, it's on Expo servers. So you could run a command called EAS build colon run, and then you could run my simulator build on your computer, which is going to save you five to 15 or something minutes every time you want to preview the exact same thing. So Mm -hmm. it's little things
0: like this that we can help,
1: I hope, speed people up.
0: Yeah, and I guess uh, another like parallel, uh, another thing that I could achieve this this similar thing of publishing to to test flight and and to all that with, um, I forgot the name of the library. Sorry. Oh, like Fastlane or something. Fastlane. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, yeah, I use that. <laughs> sorry, Fastlane. Oh, we use it yeah, too. Yeah, but <laughs> like, but it's really hard i remember days when i would spend two three days just polishing the pipeline setup in inside the test uh, inside uh, fast lane and like just doing everything right there and uh, putting keys stuff like that and it's i guess it's much easier uh with expo yeah
1: and like talking about that is pretty interesting actually because think like if you are doing your iOS code or Android code, you're working with Swift and Kotlin or Objective-C and Java. You're also doing your TypeScript and JavaScript code, and now to automate it, you need to
0: write Ruby with yeah, Fastlane to get this ready to go. Like, <laughs> well, the language itself is not a huge barrier because, like, the language is easy to grasp. But the tooling around it, the gems, the like uh, bundling and installing the commands, like, there are quite a new, exciting, but quite a new world.
1: Yeah. And so none of this stuff is like incomprehensible to actually do yourself. But on top of that, then you've got your product managers like me and your designers being like, can you build
0: these features? And so it's like, that's just a lot of stuff to deal with. So are you actually using the Fastlane under the hood in in Expo to like deliver all of those services? Yes. uh, We do use Fastlane for um, our
1: automations. And that kind of like leads us into like how we deliver code to production app stores too. Um, I think an interesting way to think about our services is we're kind of like an automation team that you can get for really cheap <laughs> comparatively to hiring people yourself. And like, we'll do all of those automations for you. So it's just like if you were a chef, like we're all the sous chefs in the kitchen and you can focus on like what the main dish is.
0: Um, I want to like ask a digression question. Um, With your In your experience working with developers that use Expo, do you uh, find them um, like eager to focus on their product, eager to focus on their uh, just product stuff that they're developing new features like fixing bugs and they're just using Expo as a frictionless way to achieve that? Or maybe they miss some of this. Maybe they miss some of this like, tickering with, uh, with past lane or like just uh, losing control over over the ed- updates. H- how is that perception? I, w- I would say that if you were
2: starting a, a startup, right? Um, where do you want to spend your money on? Is that getting the most fancy setup for you to work on your app? Or is that to actually work on the app and get like a really fast to market ship time. Um, in that sense, like, it's pretty much always the latter one where people just want to focus on their product and not really be uh, annoyed or be be interrupted by certain mm-hmm. like, platform things like Android-specific uh, build configuration issues.
0: Yeah, I- resolving issues, I get. And I also, I honestly, like, obviously understand the, product perspective and the time-to-market perspective, what I was asking about is, like, just a junior or mid-developer that, like, actually enjoys working on tools around the product, like, working on, uh, I don't know, S-Link plugin even, right? Like, <laughs> just making your development experience just right for your team. And uh, with all the goodies uh, that we get with Expo, like, you just lose a little bit of this um connection right connection with like your tooling th- th- this is what I- all i'm saying if yeah <laughs> you get some of that reactions like you got from me right now
1: yeah yeah so w- we have people who obviously use our automations but some people who don't and opt into only some of them but also to be really clear we don't automate everything if only we could um <laughs> there's so many st- so much stuff to automate outside of what we offer for instance like one developer um, they have a lot of development builds. So they've made their own like whole CLI and I believe it in a menu bar app for people just in their company to go get like the most recent development build on like the latest runtime. Uh, that was like a cool automation that they did that I thought was awesome. Um, some of these features that we're building into our platform right now, like more of this PR preview and stuff, like a few of our customers have built out themselves before we were able to get to it, which mm-hmm. is great. And they've like shared how they were doing it and how they would love to see us do it. With that though, An interesting trend I've seen is more and more people are setting us up on CI services to just do things automatically um, whenever they like push code. And I don't know about you, but in my own personal development journey, the magic of continuous deployment has been pretty awesome and has allowed me to like, I don't know, just do more stuff. So I think there's kind of like two things. Like, yeah, some people love working on tooling and you can always find more tooling to work on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I, I guess so. Like if you take something away from me, I can like (laughs) go to the next thing. I can start tinkering with something that you uh, haven't automated yet. But I I, I agree with you. Like uh, the first two Friday afternoon releases, builds, they were exciting and they were like, Really, I wanted to get my DAX in the row. I wanted to, like, attend to everything. But every other Friday, I would just rather click uh, deploy and get on my way to home and just check when I got home if everything went smoothly. Yeah, so of- obviously automation is, um, is the clear winner here. Like, w- we want to do that. So... <laughs> Uh, end of digression but it's important let's to be excited to... about your work though <laughs> let's go back to uh, application services i think we ended up on uh pr previews w- what's the next step that i could use from the from this pipeline from this workflow to um to benefit my workflow so probably it would be going to the app store and this is kind of where expo
1: started in the first place with charlie trying to get the quora app onto the App Store long, long ago. Well, maybe not too long. I don't want to make them seem (laughs) too old here. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so um, you can build your app for production with EAS, and that means you can submit these apps to the store for either the Google Store, Google Play Store, or the iOS App Store. Um, A cool little automation that we do is something called auto-submit. So if you make a build, it's successful. You can auto-submit it, and it'll just show up in both stores for you because we have also all of your credentials so um since we are able to manage those for you like your provisioning profiles etc we can uh, automate that process and get them on the stores for you um after that you would submit it for a review yourself that's a button that you've got to click and you've got to give information to both app stores and wait for review once they're in your users hands we often find that people will find a bug in their app and this has happened to me before and often it's something kind of uh silly like there was a typo in my app, or maybe there's like a small bug on one specific page nested deep down. And I'm like, oh no, I wish I could fix that. But going through that whole process again, really like it takes my whole afternoon and it makes me sort of dread all of the stuff I have to do. So one thing that you can do is again, with updates, we talked about how you can preview PRs with each other earlier. Now you can sort of like preview a PR, but with your end users, where you send them a patch on top of your current app. We call that an update and it goes over the air and people will get it really, really fast. And this helps you fix small things or like critical bugs.
0: Yeah, and I feel like this is um, this is quite important feature that we work in React Native and we can do it. And there are several different ways that you can do it. Uh, Expo is one of them. Another one is Code Push from App Services from Microsoft. The other one is uh, Module Federation from Call Repack Library uh but this is very important everyone was in the situation that i, I submitted and then there is this typo like <laughs> you said and like it's really annoying and like there always there are always bugs don't get me wrong but like there are some bugs that needs to be fixed in this release and not in the next one wait you're you're shipping bugs <laughs> uh don't tell me that you are not uh every I, like Uh, You found them and then uh, you find them and then you fix them. And you just need to prioritize your work and, like, yeah. Uh, But with over-the-air updates, (laughs) you can fix them. You can ship them faster. Maybe you you fix them at the same rate, but you can ship them faster. Uh, I wonder from, like, product management perspective, from development perspective, how does it look... From can you tell me something about like administrative panel for my application? What I can, what can I do just clicking the buttons on the website? Uh, what's the level of control there? Yeah, I think I
1: can take this one too. I'll <laughs> give Cedric a chance to talk here in a minute. But it's fine. so with, with our website, you can see all of your data about your builds, your updates, your submissions, and some other data about them. Like we have something called channels, something called branches. You can see that on our website. We're building out our website more and more every day, and we've actually released some features pretty recently that you might not know about. For instance, now you can link your GitHub project to your Expo project. This allows you to build directly from our website, so you can click a button and kick off a build right there, and you don't have to have knowledge of your CLI. You can also add a label to your GitHub PRs, and we'll go and build that for you, which is a cool automation step. We're going to be doing more here. We allow you to do quite a few things on our CLI. Like, for instance, one thing we're working on is uh, something called rollouts with updates, which allows you to give an update to a random percentage of your end users. And we're going to have support on our website for configuring those rollouts, seeing where they are, seeing who is getting what code. That's not quite there yet, but that's something that's coming soon.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Um. So, John, uh, finishing up the expo app services is there something that i haven't asked you and you really want to talk about with expo application services
1: uh i think we went over
0: like the big important parts for people to know about so i'm feeling good there okay so let's go back to development let's go back to the code to utilities that i actually run on my personal my work computer um like we said, Expo is a bunch of different utilities and um, maybe let's start with some libraries, with some libraries that you publish, that you maintain and that are actually pretty useful for end users, for for developers. Uh, I think, I don't know, but I think that there is distinction there. There are some libraries that you need to use with Expo and some that you can just use in, like, bare-bones React Native projects. So let's start with that. Walk walk me through that. How does that work? Um, Generally
2: speaking, like, anything that works with the React Native uh, community CLI should also work with Expo. Um, There shouldn't be, like, too much difference there. There are some other things that are different, Uh, for example, um, lately, we have been moving more towards Metro and actually implementing things so as, such as require context, which is required for Expo Router. Um, so, some of those libraries might be uh, a bit hard to actually implement yourself without Expo, uh, since you would need to have like proper knowledge of the Metro bundler uh, and how it ties into the CLI itself. So, Expo Router, I think, is a really good example of that. Probably like users probably should only use that with the Expo CLI. Uh, but they like, again, they don't have to use everything from Expo, right? Um, so with Expo router, we can basically generate like the, the whole, uh, navigation structure based on how you define the files in your app. It's very similar to like common web techniques that exist in Remix, Astro, Next, where you just have, uh, pretty much a file-based router. Um, and that has been like pretty new for react for for native development, right? Where everything has to be like um, statically code or whatever. Uh, and with Expo Router bringing the web technique over from web, you don't have to do that anymore. So here again is a lot of automation involved. Um, yeah, but, yeah, when I
0: when I um so this was announced uh, a while ago, and the stable version uh, is with us for few months already as well, Uh, I think it's a really powerful concept that we can just bridge the web and mobile worlds even closer together. And we, uh, it's not you, but Expo, uh, some people from Expo have been saying this, like universal apps, all of that concept, powerful concept. So what is the level of mm, unification that I can get Right now, with Expo Router and my web Next.js project? Or sh- should I not use Ex-J- Next.js project? Maybe I should just use Expo on web as well. What's the difference there using Expo on web and like not Expo on web, but just Next.js and sharing parts of my project? What, what would you recommend? So that's still a really hard question again.
2: Um, not just because Like in React React Native, we are limited to the primitives that React Native provides for all native platforms, right? So you cannot use a div. Uh, You have to put text in the text element. Um, Those limitations are like, just don't exist on web. Like with pure React, you can do pretty much whatever you want on the web. Um, But you cannot unify those concepts together. Like you cannot use that directly in native world. There are some attempts though, like there are, We have some prototypes internally where we use some babel magic to convert some things but it's highly experimental um but besides that like because of those limitations not all libraries in web work in native uh some libraries uh, tie in heavily to the browser apis which is also just not available on native um we with expo router we try to bring another really big concept from web to native that makes a lot of sense to us especially with file based routing and that is the concept of a url where instead of having like uh functions where you pass in parameters to render a screen you basically resolve everything around a url with query parameters like the concept is similar uh, but having the same mental model of a url in native uh, does allow you to actually unify those things better. Where, yeah, some libraries are just not compatible at all. It is hard to say like what works best for you. Um, if you have a whole custom like uh, design system or design components, you can even just use them in both a like a separate non Expo web project and uh, an Expo project or React Native project in general. Uh, but if you really go all the way there. You could even like use Expo Router for both web and native. Um there are some interesting stuff that might be possible in the future there. Um but it's it's still it's still a bit in a rough state. And like things the things like React Native not supporting Winter CG might also not really help with that, where Winter CG is like a common commonly known em- environment where JavaScript is being executed. Um and since it's not compatible with that, like certain APIs does not exist on, on in React Native, unfortunately.
0: Okay, so I, I, I think I understand half of this answer <laughs> and like the answer is always it depends.
2: <laughs> yes, uh,
0: <laughs> unfortunately, yes. Yeah, yeah. But there is some level of, um, of unification that I can do with Next.js, with other <laughs> web-based frameworks. Uh, there is a possibility to run just expo on web and have some results, but that depends yes. on the use case. Um, and uh, expo router was such a a sexy topic, sexy library. Uh, another one similar to this was expo image. And can you, like, Talk about this a little bit. What is Expo Image and like, how would you use it? What it enables me to do. Um, so Expo Image was created to basically
2: uh, have us or give us give us a way to uh, add support for newer techniques like newer uh, animated PNG or or like basically newer standards in web in, in imaging techniques. Uh, that doesn't work out of the box in react native or like web um so with expo image it adds some uh commonly used things uh like like better caching um that already exist right now with react native fast image for example um unfortunately like those kind of libraries fell out of um fell out of maintenance like it's 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 a burden to support a really big uh, open source project while not getting paid at all. So for these crucial things that we think um, this should be, this just should just work for our users. We try to help and we try to step in wherever we can. And I think Expo Image is a, a really good example for us trying to push React Native to the latest standards in, in image.
0: Okay, yeah, so i I think what you said was that it's uh you created this because of the necessity you needed this, and yeah, it's yeah, it's partially because of necessity, yes, yeah okay the another utility, which is very, very new and very, very exciting, is uh debugging in Expo, and Cedric, I know that you had something to do with this. And yes. you had yeah. So can you please um, get us up to speed? What is the state of debugging uh, in React Native in Expo before your creation and after it? And what is it? What it is? Yes.
2: So if if you if you've used React Native long enough, um, you might have recognized the debug debug jazz remotely. And basically what it does is, it moves the JavaScript execution from your phone to the browser while rendering whatever comes out of the logic of your app into the phone. And that worked because we had an async bridge that basically deferred all communication, but it also caused a lot of weirdness where instead of uh, all commands like render a text a text element with this context, content somewhere in your app, had to go over network, To your computer and then back and forth, so it wasn't. It was far from ideal. Um, It also changed the environment like that much that, for example, if you were debugging a network race condition, you will probably run into other issues. So that wasn't great. But then we tried Flipper, which originally was a nice, like a nice all-in-one tool where you could debug everything. Um, Unfortunately. The meta team behind Flipper could not commit to the amount of work that needed to be done on the React Native side to really help uh, push debugging forward. So ever since the introduction of Flipper, debugging has been in a very weird state, especially on like with with the improvements that have come to React Native lately with like synchronous native uh, native calls. Um, debugging was in a very very weird state where. In some cases, Remote Jazz Debug like didn't work at all. In other cases, Flipper uh, worked, but then had other quirks, like it, it it increased the build time by three times in development because it also had to bundle all these heavy yeah. native libraries. So not just like us at Expo, but also the people at Meta, uh, especially on the Hermes team, but also the native team, um, thought re- very deeply about this. and decided that it has to be way better than it currently is so especially the hermes team and and the rig native team of course but especially the hermes team started focusing on what is already out there like why can't we use reuse an existing um, technique to debug things and eventually cdp was chosen to be adopted not only because it's like one of the the native platform tooling to debug Um, it's, it's also like a very, very, um, wide system that has so many different debugging functionalities that just work. If we support the underlying framework, um, like it's always a good idea if you need to debug something to use, whatever is available natively. Like if you're debugging web, you already know the Chrome dev tools, but if you're debugging natively for a native crash, then it's better to use Xcode or Android studio, because Nobody can beat that, right? They are the mm-hmm. creator yeah. owner of the native platform. So eventually we started to adopt more and more uh, Chrome DevTools protocol features. And at some point we really focused on another really big missing feature. What That was the network inspector. Like you can inspect any network calls right now from any device that you want, but if you put a proxy in between, right? Uh, if you use Charles Proxy, then it's pretty much automatically on macOS. But like, is that really necessary to just figure out what a fetch call result is? Um, we decided that that shouldn't be like required if you just want to take a look at what your app is calling into. So with some prototyping internally, which is mostly uh, Kudo Chen that worked on that, uh, we found a way to actually make that possible, and to work our way into su- supporting the network inspector in the Chrome DevTools as well. So
0: yeah, and in order, like, uh, I played around with this, and like, in order to, uh, sorry, to turn it on to like actually see the debugger, uh, what what do you do to to do that? So you can start
2: your app as normally, either with run uh, Android, run iOS, or just Expo uh, Start. You only have to press J, and that will automatically like boot up the whole system.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it only works in Expo now, right? The... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so... so do you have any plans to upstream this to like the broader React Native community?
2: Yes. So, as I said, like this is mostly because Hermes made it possible for us to adopt the CDP protocol fully, um, and because of that, like parts of this are actually in React Native as well right now. Like you can you can open the Chrome inspect tab and then add Metro as an inspectable target and then connect through there directly to your React Native app. Like the most the, the biggest thing that we did at Expo is trying to make it stupidly easy to use it within expo so yeah of course instead of like trying to figure out how you could connect to something in cases of issues and everybody is panicking it's just one one button that you have to press like that's that's pretty much what we did um i'm happy to say that in react native 73 something similar will be there um which i think it's called uh one click hermes debugging and that should be able you should be able to open it from your phone as well um and from there like you have a pretty similar experience although the network debugger is still an expo only feature um who knows that that might that could change in the, in the future
0: yeah i guess you could ca- you could use some other tools to to spy on your uh network traffic uh yeah
2: oh yeah definitely like whatever works best for you like if uh we just added the network inspector as this works out of the box for you so you don't have to set it up. Uh, But if you have like specialized tooling like ReactorTron or even like your own proxy in between, that's perfectly Mm -hmm. fine to use as well. Like we do not force you to use it at all. Uh, It's just there out of the box, which we think is a necessity for
0: frameworks in general. Yeah. Thank you, Cedric. I guess we'll be wrapping up soon this episode. And the division of work here, I guess, was that Cedric was talking about some more technical development-facing stuff. Uh, John was saying uh, a lot about Expo services. And so I have a question to both of you right now. What's the future looking like? What are your plans for near and long future? How is that going on? Cedric, you might start. You you, you are wor- warmed up already. <laughs>
2: yeah, sure. So I would say, the f- like we we never know what the future holds, right? Um, especially for native development, Android, like uh, Google and Apple have been known to break a lot of their old APIs. It does not mm-hmm. work any like it does not work in any way similar to web, where if an API is stable and communicated with within a whole commit committee. Uh, only then it gets adopted fully. That's so different for, to native that I hope that we like, will focus more on, uh, stabilizing or, or unifying APIs on the native level, like on the OS level, instead of, uh, us trying to merge things together. Um, just because like, we hear so many people saying like, why do I have to upgrade again, like. Because we know that those platforms are like breaking things all the time, we try to make tooling that help that whole process. Like again, like our conflict plugins and pre-build. So I hope we can minimize that. But that's pretty much what I hope for the future.
0: Thanks, John. How about you? What are your hopes?
2: Yeah. So and plans? we
0: are
1: releasing really soon a few things that, if you're listening to this, will already be out. Um, these are things like, uh with the updates API, there's like a new use updates hook. We also now have a menu bar called Expo Orbit, which will help you launch builds. Um, We also now support something called custom build jobs that allow you to run tests with your builds. So we are releasing a lot of stuff now, but these are in an effort to go towards some bigger ideas for the future. And we're thinking about a lot of things. So first off, we want to start having more workflows. This means like being able to add credentials to a build, then make a build, then send it to one of your colleagues, and then maybe send a Slack notification that it worked. That would be one workflow and maybe automate more of these steps for you in sequence. We think that's really interesting. In addition, we want to do stuff that's more far reaching and it's going to take us longer, but hopefully make the community and like working on these apps a lot nicer. This is better web support. So like we were talking about earlier, improving our routing, improving the support for writing just plain React apps with HTML and JSX and making that work in React Native and making it easy to make native or web components and have everything live together in one code base. We're also really interested in making it possible to call out to APIs safely from your app. So maybe having serverless functions or something of that. That's definitely something we've been talking about. Um, there's a bunch of stuff around this. Like we want to make testing better. We want to run like emulators in the cloud for you that allow you to like run detox or maestro tests and do stuff like that. So that's a lot of like what we're thinking about. And really like, we're just listening to you and everybody. Like if you're working on a legacy react native app, like you do all day, which it sounds hard. Um, maybe there are some things that we can learn from you to like include a few of these tools to help you out and make like your <laughs> weeks a little nicer.
0: Yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah yeah uh you throw a lot of things out there uh maybe we'll just link your twitter and your uh all the information if anyone has any suggestions what would they want to see uh added to expo reach out to john uh he will make it happen
1: yeah come find me will i make it happen yes no i'm kidding (laughs) it's a whole (laughs) team
0: effort Um, We also have a Discord
1: too. Um, Come and join it. There's a whole community of developers and we talk all the time.
0: Yeah. Thank you, John. Uh, Thank you, Cedric. Uh, I think it's wrap up. Uh, This was episode about Expo. Everyone knows what Expo is, but it is much more than you think you know. Uh, It's a set of utilities. It's a a developer experience company. We discussed Expo Origins, Expo Future, Uh, features and app services and all of that Uh, thank you so much guys again Uh, thanks to our listeners check out more of our the React Native show podcast more episodes on uh, YouTube and other platforms subscribe to our newsletter and yeah see you in the next episode